There are some portions of Scripture that are easier to preach through than others. Brother John, would you mind turning my mic down just a little bit? It's a little hot today. I must have adjusted it wrong. Romans in chapter 2. And this morning, let us begin in verse uh, 19. Romans chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 19. We're going to look at these 10 verses and see the theme that correlates through here as we finish out the chapter The Bible says, uh, speaking of the Jewish people, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light to them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? So do you offer something to idols? Uh, he says in verse 23, Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking of the law, the, the law dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. If therefore, uh, therefore, if the circumcision, uncircumcision, keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Would you say that together with me? Outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. Let's say the word inwardly. Inwardly. And circumcision that is of the heart and in in spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. This is a powerful summary to Romans chapter 2. Paul speaks of these people, the Jewish people, and says to them, if you want to be a good Jew, it's not about what you do on the outside. He says he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, circumcision that is of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Whose praise is not, he says, of men, but of God. Do you believe that God is a just judge? He's just, he's righteous, he's perfect, he's holy. So do you believe that God's opinion about you matters the most? Right? So God's opinion about us matters the most. Often we can live our life trying to please people. And we really get disappointed. But when we live our life seeking to please God, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Why? Because God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Remember David was a man after God's own heart, even though on the outside he looked like just a foolish shepherd boy, but God used him. And he was wiser than Saul, who was educated, taller, uh, would have been considered smarter, um, but David was used of God. Saul 
really didn't have a heart after God. He had a heart for himself, self-serving. But what was David's attitude to Saul? Did, did David disdain Saul? Did David plot to kill Saul? What did David do? David behaved himself wisely and he did what? He submitted to this wicked, pagan uh, type of leader. I mean, Saul acted like a fool and he acted like the ungodly in many cases. But yet God used him. And in this passage, Paul is speaking of these people who are Jewish, who have all the customs down. They're keeping over 600 laws perfectly, but God says, you got a problem, the heart has gone disconnect a long time ago. And so he says the heart's disconnected, but the outward actions are all perfect. He says you got your ducks in a row religiously. You have a perfect religious track record. But God says, I see the heart and the motive that drives what you do. Aren't you glad God sees the heart? It's kind of a scary thing that God sees the heart. Because often, if we, would, if we would be honest, there's many times my heart's not been right. And uh, if you be honest with yourself, our hearts deceive us. And uh, this morning we're going to look into this passage and we're going to see uh, what the Bible says is a blind instructor. A blind instructor. And God doesn't want us to be blind. Amen. He wants us to have light. Let's pray and ask him to help us with that today. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, it gives light and understanding to the simple. And Lord, each of us, we need the truth of God's word in our hearts more than ever today. Father, the church has never, in America, has never really experienced the type of pressure it's experiencing today. Lord, the, the leaders who are trying to do right, the Christian leaders, have never experienced the type of pressure that's coming down the pike in ways of legislation and in ways of a mindset change among the hearts of society. Lord, we have never dealt with this before in this way here in America. In this extreme way. And Lord, we need your help. Because Lord, here in America, we've got a lot of religious people. Truth is, Lord, a lot of people have been to church one or two times in their life. But there's no relationship in the heart that pleases God. Lord, many may be blind. And Lord, I pray that you would send the light. Because we believe that you want to send a revival to this land. And Lord, just as these Jewish people, they got bound up in all of the things that they had done right, and they missed the one thing they weren't doing right, the matters of the heart. Help us to look where you look, to see what you see. And Lord, today may we follow like you followed the Father's will, may we follow your will. Lord, you want to do great things. Help us to just say, Lord, I want to do your will. May that be your heart today. May that be your heart, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. I uh, have been thinking about this, and I believe it's sometimes good when we enter into a message to think about this phrase. And next week I want to encourage you to join with me in this, but um, this is God's church, and we want him to be glorified in our lives this week. This is God's church and we want him to be glorified in our lives this week. If you believe that, would you say that with me? This is God's church, and we want him to be glorified in our lives this week. Often we, we, miss, we miss the big thing, because 
we get distracted. And I get distracted sometimes. And may God help us with that today. John Wesley said, Get on fire for God and men will come to see you burned. Is your life so full of the zeal of Jesus Christ that others just want to watch you love Jesus? Um, it's easy to think that we know everything. And Paul describes in verse 19, he says, And are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light to them which are in darkness. And I brought two, help, two helpers today with me, but I need two people today. Would anybody be willing to help me? Maybe two young men, maybe? Would you maybe, uh, could I have one guy come up here and help me? Don't worry, nobody will see your face. Uh, by the way, isn't it true, right? Nowadays, if you wear one of these, you're considered normal, right? Uh, if you wear one of these, you're considered normal. Would you mind a blindfold today? All right. Now, Brighton, this is going to kind of darken your work, okay? And uh, you can take them off, sure. Thank you, sir. That's great. Uh, Brighton, can you see anything? Not really, but I can see the light. Okay, you can see the light. Brighton, you're standing right beside the stage about a foot away. Do, do you know which way? Can you turn around? Turn yourself around a few times, all right? Turn yourself around a few times, all right? Now, you've turned yourself around. Now, which way is the stage, Brighton? Which way is the stage? Point in the direction you think the stage might be. Like over there. Oh, yes. Well, you're hearing voices. I see. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe looking underneath there. Okay. Now, it's completely covering. You can't see? You can't see anything? Okay, so keep turning around, keep turning around. Okay, Brighton, which way's the stage? Which way's the, which way's the, where are the people at, Brighton? Where are the people at? Over there, okay, you're doing pretty good. Now. When I'm actually confused. You're confused, oh good, you're doing pretty good, you're kind of in the right direction. Now, I need somebody to help you to give you guidance, all right? And somebody help you to give you guidance. Grant, would you be able to give him some guidance? Isn't it great to give the younger brother guidance? Can you come over this way? All right, turn and face the audience. There you go. Now, Grant, you, uh, you, can, you can see where everybody is, right? Yeah. Yeah? Now, you, now you're the older brother, so you know, you know the right way to do things. And uh, why, don't you, why don't you, Grant, why don't you spin yourself around a few times, all right? Spin yourself around a little faster. Now spin back the opposite way, back the opposite way. All right? Now, Grant, why don't you tell Brighton which way he should turn to walk towards the piano? Why don't you tell him forward, backward, right, left? You just tell him. Give him some instruction. Walking backwards. Backwards. Okay. Wow, you're doing pretty good here. Okay. You're messing up my illustration, Grant. Am I close to it? Okay. Now, um... Oh, he's listening to my voice. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, go ahead, Grant. Spin yourself around a few times. Grant, make sure you can't see. Now, why don't you, Grant, tell Brighton which way he should walk to come towards you? I don't know. Which way should he walk? Brighton, why don't you spin yourself around a few times? All right, good. Stop right there, Brighton. Uh, spin more, Brighton. Spin more. Spin more. Okay, stop right there. Stop. Okay. 
Grant, which way should Brighton walk? Do you know? No. Why don't you take your blindfold off? All right? Now can you tell them which way you should walk? Backwards. Backwards, right? Okay? You guys did an awesome job. You did an awesome job. Thank you, young men. Wonderful job. Fantastic. Now, folks, often in life, and I knew it would be, it's a little bit tougher with young men because they they're going to find a way. They can see right down by that. They're smart, all right? You guys did great. See what I'm saying? Often we assume that we know the right way, but we have been so blinded by our own opinion for so long that we cannot see what the other person is doing right. And we genuinely sit there and we instruct them, but the truth of the matter is we're leading them the wrong way. And we need to say, God, would you open mine eyes to see the right way? The Jewish people, they thought they knew all the things and they had all the law, but they had taken the law and put it like a blindfold over their mind. And they were trying to instruct others on what to do. But the truth of the matter is they themselves didn't even know where they were going. And too often in life, we live, we live life uh, going around in circles. What did the children of Israel do in the desert? Wander. Too often we wander. And as a people of God, often we wander because uh, we're looking for help and we're looking for instruction. But sometimes we're, we're just not following God's instruction. We're really very self-instructed. The blind instructor. Here in this passage, uh, we see that sometimes we can assume too much. We can assume that we know the right way when we might not. God does not get impressed with our knowledge. You know, God doesn't really care how much we know. He doesn't. God is not looking for our knowledge if that knowledge has not taught us to humble ourselves and to love other flawed people around us because God loves the humble in heart. The humble shall see God. And this morning as we look into this passage, let us first look and see in verse 19 a self-promotion. A self-promotion. He says of this Jewish person, he says that they were confident that, look what he says, Thou thyself art a guide of the blind. They were so self-confident that they were an instructor to others who were walking in darkness. They were the expert of all information. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes. Now look, don't babes need a lot of instruction? Right? They need a ton of instruction. But... Um, Unless we are growing ourselves in humility and in the fear of God, we often can self-promote to such a level that we cannot find anybody who's as perfect as us. You ever find that problem in life, right? It happens in the workforce, doesn't it? Nobody's good enough to be my boss, right? There's no boss perfect as I am as the employee, even though I've had 12 jobs in a row. You know, I mean, every boss had a problem, but I am perfect. That's the attitude sometimes we can assume and have in life, a self-promotion. Um, every boss is a failure, uh, but the expert is always that employee who is known for their sharp tongue. When God wants to do something great, he will always send a man with a mission and a message. When God wants to work in our lives, he will always lead. Look out through the Bible. God always sent somebody to instruct, somebody to guide, and often 
the people of God really wondered what was up with all that. Um, when God wants to do something great, he will guide, he will lead. And you know, it's easy to see the other's sin. It's super easy to find fault with somebody else. And uh, we can re we're really blind to our own faults sometimes, and we can see everybody else's faults. You say, well, pastor, you preach, and you get to tell everybody what to do. No, I have to do a lot of living. I have to do a lot of living. I have to do a lot of dying. A lot of dying to my own opinion. A lot of dying to my own way. Um, we'll spend 60 hours planning on how to do something and then do it and somebody will get offended. All right? I mean, literally, we'll spend 10 years. I've spent 10 years planning some things that we're doing right now. Okay? And, and we're thinking through all these things before God even sends us here and praying through it, getting godly counsel from many, many pastors. And then you do it and somebody gets offended. You say, Lord, I, I know this was your will. Lord, I know this was your will. Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Um, it's easy to find faults with uh, those who we may consider uh, around us are guiding us. We might find faults with them. Just remember they're human too. And if we would be pure in heart, we would he heap coals of fire in their head. What did Jesus say to, our enemy, to do to our enemies? Heap coals of fire in their head. What is keeping coals of fire? What is heaping coals of fire on somebody's head? It's doing good for the one who hurts you and offends you. Doing good for the one who has really had it out for you. Doing good for the one who said something you didn't like. Jesus commanded each of us to be perfect. And the context in Matthew 5 is forgive. Forgive. And so he says, I want you to be perfect. And that means don't hold a grudge. Don't hold a grudge. Um, look, if you, if you want something to be done for free, I'll give you a little secret, all right? You want something to be done for free around your house. Hold a grudge at me, and I will do it for free, all right? I'll find a way to find something to do for you, and I'll go do it for free. Um, that's what I do. With anybody who holds a grudge against me, I'll find something to do for free for you. And uh, that's, you say, well, Pastor, why would you do that? No, look, don't hold a grudge against another Christian. Don't. Um, I challenge you, live by that rule. Don't be so wise that you're the instructor of all people, that you're the, the expert on all things. The measure of a man is his likeness to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ was humble, and he served, and he washed the disciples' feet, and he did things that were pleasing to God. And as I recall, the Pharisees kind of had problems with Jesus. The measure of a man is his likeness to Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who did what? He humbled himself. Became a servant and came and served us. The measure of a man is his likeness to Jesus Christ. And often my prayer has to be, Lord, take away anything that's not like Jesus. Anything that's not like Jesus. He says in verse 19, thou art confident that thou. Does a servant, does a servant argue and oppose every master God gives him? A servant, a true servant no, a servant submits to the biblical structures God puts in their life. Um, have you ever found it, right? A child wants to show their independence, so what do they do? They go join the army, right? And the army beats them into shape. And then often they leave the army, with a, sometimes even with a dishonorable uh, discharge because they can't submit to authority in the army. Um, isn't it crazy? We want a perfect authority in our life, and often that means that we need to change. A self-promotion. Uh, one of the greatest lessons God has taught me in life 
is as a church member, when I was in churches, and I was in churches for a lot of my life as a church member, to take a hit for the leader and to stop acting to the leader like I was some sort of expert. All right? I'm not the expert. You're not the expert. God's the expert, so let's just try to follow God. The measure of a man is his likeness to Jesus Christ. A self-confidence. These Jewish people had this problem. They had a real problem. They were self-confident. They were so self-confident that in verse 23, it says, Thou that makest thy boast of the law, they were so confident they were doing right. He said they boasted of the law. They boasted of what they had done for God. And he says, Through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. A self-confidence. Isn't it easy to be self-confident? Um, it's so easy to be self-confident and then to really mess it up bad. Our way, if our way is right, then why aren't people beating down the door to get our book on wisdom? Right? Okay? If our way is the way that's right, then why aren't people coming after us and asking us for wisdom? A uh, wise man, it is said, learns by the experience of others. I saw this quote this week, an excellent quote. He learns by the experience of others. An ordinary man learns by his own experience. A fool learns by nobody's experience. Um, what do you want to do in life? You want to excel? Find somebody that's doing better at it than you are. What helps me as a parent is to watch parents, and we've done that before I was ever married. I watched parents, and I watched the parents who had kids. Remember when the Kellys came? Remember all their little kids? And I watched how the parents acted. Those parents in the sanctuary, out of the sanctuary, uh, out in the parking lot, I watched how they treated their kids. I watched how they interacted with the kids. I watched how the kids respected them. And you know what? Uh, we didn't, I don't think we had but one child. We had about, we had, when he was just a few months old maybe at that time. And I enjoyed watching those parents. I said, wow, they're doing something right. I'm trying to figure out what it is. All right? I want to watch those who are doing something right, and I want to emulate it, okay? Uh, we often are too self-confident that whatever our opinion is, it's right. And often, uh, we need to learn by the experience of others. Uh, God wants us to learn from others. Uh, that doesn't mean that we sit there and critique all the wrongs others have done, because there's always faults. Every person that God uses has good things, and they have faults as well. And every person in life that we will learn from has faults, and they also have strengths. And if we get focused on the faults, we'll never see the strengths, and we'll never grow. Okay? So in life, we have to learn to grow. And we have to learn to see the good, and learn from the good, and not throw out the fish with the bathwater. Uh, not just discard everything. I think I mixed that illustration up, but you know what I mean. Throw out the baby with the bathwater, okay? Eat the fish and spit out the bones. That's what I meant. All right, I mixed up the two of them. But I gave you all a laugh today. You needed it. Oh. See, God wants to work in our life. He wants us to learn and grow. Don't just learn from your own failures. I mean, I've made enough failures of my own, okay? And, and I go and seek counsel from wise men. When I, whenever something goes wrong, I always seek counsel from a couple of wise men. I seek their advice, and I ask for their input, and I seek to follow what they have to say. I challenge you, uh, get advice from people who are going to help you change, not who are just going to side with you against whoever you're upset at. Uh, we need the grace of God to move forward. There was this story of a pastor, and he had Crohn's disease. And, uh, you know, when you have Crohn's disease, you can't eat much. 
And uh, he really hadn't eaten much for over a year. The poor brother kind of lost weight. Most pastors need to lose weight. And if you say I need to lose weight, I don't know. Uh, I might need to lose five pounds. That's about it, okay? And uh, if I lose any more, I'll blow away in the wind. And uh, this dear brother, he had had Crohn's disease for over a year. He came into the pulpit because he had been out for almost a year with his sickness, and he had been so weak and feeble. And he came in to preach. He preached his first sermon back. And you know what he said at the end? He said, I'm going to go to McDonald's, and I'm going to enjoy a wonderful meal. Guess what happened that week? The next day, guess what he got? He got a beautiful letter. It said, Dear Pastor, I can't believe that you would leave the people of God astray by seeking to uh, advise them to eat unhealthy food. Your example as a Christian and as a spiritual leader has offended me. I will be leaving the church. Oh, okay. Over a sandwich? And sometimes in our hearts, look, we get little things like that will irritate us to such a degree. The poor brother was probably dealing with discouragement. He was probably dealing with frustration. He was probably dealing with, uh, you know, uh, so many other things. And uh, here he says he's going to go to McDonald's. I don't like McDonald's. Some of y'all do, okay? But uh, good grief. Good grief. He offended a, a Christian. You say, uh, what in the world? I don't think that person was saved. Man, if you're going to get offended over a sandwich, God bless you. Um, but uh, there's bigger things in the world like that Jesus wants to see us to see souls saved. And we ought to get focused on that. Uh, just our own business. Let's, Lord, help me to win somebody. Help me to be an encouragement. Help me to be a light. Lord, help me to do something positive and, uh, and uh, just look, overlook some of these faults of the others. Um, if the name of God gets dragged in the mud... It'll get dragged in the mud by the backslider in heart. Verse 24 says, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Often we think of those wicked politicians who are doing evil. We say, man, they're doing wicked things. Those, those pastors who are preaching heresy, they're doing wicked things. And all those people that don't love God and they don't go to church, man, they're wicked and they're evil. I mean, that's our focus sometimes. And we're so confident of how everybody else is wrong. And he says, look at this. He says, the ones that are blaspheming God are the Jewish people. He said, the ones who had the religion, who literally kept all 600 laws plus, they were obeying all these laws, but they missed the greatest law, which was to love God, to love their neighbor, and they weren't doing that. And when you miss those two laws, all the other laws go into default. And uh, you really, we don't grow. Uh, the lost around us need to know that our Jesus is real. The community knows who's fake, and they don't want fake. And uh, as I told you last week, churches grow when the holy get aware of how unholy they've become. And how comfortable we've become with not allowing Jesus to change our minds to be like this. Uh, it's so easy to get comfortable. So easy to get comfortable. Don't fall back here. Let's move forward. Let's press on. Lord, make me uncomfortable. And I've only grown personally when something was said to me that was uncomfortable a little bit, okay? And uh, when I heard something from the Word of God that offended me, and I changed instead of getting hardened at it. Do you want to win your loved ones to Jesus? Then it's not bear a bad reputation of his name. There's a man in Georgia, his name is Jimmy Stallard. He was a pastor for many years, and he passed away a few years ago. His dear wife's widow, and this, this week she was celebrating, I believe, the anniversary of her husband and his loss. And she posted online, she said, could anybody share some quotes from my husband that impacted your life? 
And someone shared this quote and it helped me, and I think it'll help you today. The gospel is offense enough. We don't need to do to offend people with anything else. Did y'all read that with me? Okay. This comes from he being dead yet speaks. All right. Let's read it together. The gospel is offense enough. We don't need to offend people with anything else. I thank God for Jimmy Stafford. He led the soul ministry at our church in Georgia. He had a heart for souls. He taught me a lot. I thank God for his life. The gospel is offense enough. If I want, uh, if, if I want to, or you want to base your entire view of Christianity on other Christians, often you'll get discouraged. Okay? Do not base your view of Christianity on other Christians. Because I'll tell you, if I want to base my view of, of God on whether or not I should be a Christian, on the way that Christians have treated me, I would not be a Christian. Okay? If, do not base your view of God. On the way other people treat you, because a lot of times the Christians who mistreat you might not even be in the faith, okay? And do not spend your life worried about them. You say, but there's a Christian that didn't even wrong. Many Christians will accidentally defend somebody, and many Christians will do something that's intentionally defend somebody, maybe because they do not know God. But do not let that hold you back. There are imperfect people everywhere. And Jesus wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow him. First um, um, Peter says in chapter 2, verse 20, For what glory is it if when ye be fitted for your fault, ye shall take up patiently? But if when ye do well, and suffer for it, take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Second Peter 2, verse 20. I want to read that again for you. For what glory is it is when you be buffeted for your own fault, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, you must be acceptable with God. If you are serving Jesus Christ, if you are serving him with your whole heart, and somebody hurts you, I challenge you to, he says, take it patiently. He says, put a smile on my face. He says, he says, take a baby out of the get over it. He says, he says, it's acceptable with God. Um, we live in the world of God sometimes by a bubble built by our opinion. God is God in this world. And a bubble that's built by our opinion. And those opinions often talk about the word of God and God have that name. And we need to believe the word of God if you like to guide the most righteous generation in our life. Um, uh, um, uh, 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 in America, marriages were too, too lazy, lazy, too 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 
humble, humble heart. Here in America, America we've heard for so many, so many years that we still exist. Exactly. Exactly. Last little fingernail. Last little toenail. We still hear the same thing. Well, they all have to have six fingers or seven. We can't even see that as a little tiny thing. Did he have any help? No, it's so, it's so, it's so. Study, study all the manners and customs in the Bible. There were some that are pretty unique. 
and uh, you look through the manners and customs in the Bible, the, the ways in which the people of God and God led them to do things. It's very cool and very neat. And I studied that uh, back in, in uh, 2009. It was just a wonderful course. And I remember studying that. Some of those manners and customs still stick in my mind today. And the ways, the different ways in which they did things back then. But he said, if you keep all the law, but he said if you break the law, Circumcision is made uncircumcision. So he said, look, if you go through all these customs and you got the form, but he said, if you're breaking the law of God, he said, really, it doesn't matter that you did all the right things all along. He said, the matter of the heart is the greater issue. The Jewish Christians at Rome were proud because they had been circumcised in the eighth day. They thought they were holy because of their obedience to the customs and the traditions of the elders. But see, this covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and so it was no longer necessary to, uh, to, to perform this custom. The biblical tradition. It was a biblical tradition. And look, there's disagreements among doctors today, but look, it was a biblical tradition, and it was meant for a, a very important purpose. And God wanted his people to be identified with him. You know, we live around some people that are Amish, right? You enjoy the Amish people. They're fun. They're, they're, they're an enjoyment to be around. And they have unique traditions, all right? But look, I'm just going gonna, gonna to use them as an illustration. Because I, I don't, and by the way, I enjoy spending time with the Amish people. They're, some, they're really, they've been some of the greatest friends to me even since I've moved here, all right? Uh, the Amish people have been great. But you know, they got a lot of double standards, okay? <laughs> they got a lot of double standards, all right? Uh, have you ever tried to hire an Amish person to work for you? I have. I walked up to these two guys and said, can I hire you? Can you tell me, who, who can I hire? Come help me do something. They said, well, you can hire these two over here. Go to their house. All right, but we, we have to ride in a carriage, so it needs to be less than seven miles away. I said, you mean you can't get in the car and ride? No, we can't ride in your car to go to work. I said, but you were just riding in his car to go pick up that silo. No, but we can't ride in your car to go to work. Okay, all right. I don't understand. I'm confused, but anyways, okay. And, uh, so many different double standards. Uh, they can ride in a car to go to the bank, okay? They can ride in a car to go pick up and run an errand to pick something up, but they cannot. Uh, when, they go to, when they go to Price Chopper, they're riding in a car. Okay, it's a double standard. And look, I, I'm making this as an illustration, all right? I know why they do what they do, but um, it's a double standard. They can't use electricity in their house, but they have electric lights on their buggies. <laughs> Just the other night, we were driving back through Whitehall, and here you go down the road, and they all got their lights on. They got headlights on the front, and headlights on the back, and my friend, those weren't lanterns, okay? Those were not primitive lanterns. Those were nice, bright lights, and they were like LED lights. So I'm like, wow, you must have some batteries in there. I wonder where you get those charged. I mean, okay, <laughs> a double standard, okay? Now, I'm not in any way picking on them. You just understand I'm making a point. There's double standards, and, and we can see them in others. Uh, they can't have their phone in their house, but many of them have cell phones in the barn. My wife grew up around Amish people down in Pennsylvania. Many of them have their cell phones sitting right out in the barn. They go pick it up and take the phone call, uh, but they can't have it in the house. Can't have a phone in the house, and they're actually not supposed to have cell phones. Um, they can't use gas or uh, they, they can use gas or diesel motors to cut the wood and to, to saw wood, but not to power the car. All right, uh, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, they can they can. They can't look at a drawing on your cell phone uh, or on a computer screen, but if you print off the same drawing, they'll look at it. And so uh, it's a double standard. And it's easy to look at these double standards and say, well, uh, that doesn't make any sense. 
And you know what? The lost look at our double standards and they say the exact same thing. They say it doesn't make sense. All right? Have a pure heart. Keep your heart clean. He is not a Jew, which is one, verse 28, outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. He says it's not all about the outside appearance. Man looks on the outside. God looks on our hearts. A heart that has no impure extra motives. Would God say about our hearts today, there's nothing impure. There's no extra motives. No extra motives. I forgot to go over this slide. I apologize for that. But the uh, a biblical tradition. And uh, see, right here, I want you to see this. Sometimes the one thing that unites us is our division over a tradition. Think about that long and hard. The one thing that sometimes unites us is our division over a tradition. So many folks I love are suffering today because they've questioned the motives of every person God has sent into their life. And they're hurting deeply. And I want to help them. I want to love them. And I'm choosing to. The one thing we ought to have in common is our love and our forgiveness towards those who have offended and hurt us. It's high time we live for the praise of God instead of the praise of men. These Jewish people, they were living simply to get the applaud of men. They would stand and pray on the street corner and God says, I see your heart. They were united about how imperfect everybody else in the world was. And look, Christians, we can get so united about the, the, the hypocrisy and the foolishness and the complete ignorance going on in the, uh, the little place down there in, uh, around, with a fence around it, okay? Uh, good grief. Foolishness. We could talk about that for hours, the foolishness that's going on. Um, I think if you sign a document, you ought to be able to sit, you ought to have to sit there for 20 minutes and explain what's in the stinking document before you sign it, okay? That's just my opinion, all right? If you want to be able to sign all these little things, why don't you tell us what's in them and sit there and explain it? And if you can't explain it, your signature shouldn't be on it, okay? That's just simple logic, but that goes in life in all areas. Um, we, ought to, we ought to seek to have a standard that pleases God and we ought to be able to, as a Christian, demonstrate by our life that we're living in a way that pleases God. Uh, we quit things way too easy. Way too easy. And quite frankly, we can hold generational grudges. And may God help us to not do that. The world needs to be one to Christ. And these Jewish people were holding up their Gentile brethren because they were sitting there nitpicking and saying, well, you didn't perform this ritual that Abraham did. And God said, uh-uh, you're looking the wrong place. It's the heart. God sees the heart. Man sees in a different way than God sees. Uh, the time is coming very soon, Christians, when most of our gospel preachers will probably be imprisoned for their faith. If you don't believe me, just watch the news in Canada. Just watch the news in other nations that are following the same things we're doing. And I say to you this. Well, I'm in prison for my faith, dear church family. The little things that bother you right now will not trouble you anymore. We have too many teachers who can identify a problem but can't find the solution. It's time to find the solution. 
It's time to look to Jesus. It's time to recognize, you know what? God is going to lead. God is going to direct. And I want the praise of God on my life. I want to please God. And I want to honor God. How many more years? And I say this with, with understanding. Look, I have many of my loved ones and family who are dealing with this right now. How many more years will we spend doubting if God was wise enough to send us the right leaders? How many more years are we going to spend doubting? Did God send us? Did God do? We're doubting the will of God. The Jewish people did that often. They doubted Moses, and he was the meekest man that ever lived. And yet they doubted him, and his even brothers and sisters doubted the way in which God was leading him. Why not learn the word? Why not grow? Why not support the vision? Why not ask God, Lord, forgive me for holding a grudge, a generational grudge. Lord, I want to see the world one to Christ. I want God to be pleased with my life. Help me not to be so confident that I'm the leader of the blind. And the truth of the matter is, if I look back on my life, do my children want my faith? Do my children want my faith? Do, do my loved ones want my faith? Do my neighbors want my faith? I'm confident that I'm a leader of the blind. If they don't want my faith, we just often say, well, they just did the gospel. They just rejected the gospel. Is that what they rejected? Did they reject the gospel? Or these Jewish people, they had a different problem. They were so traditional, they held their tradition up over truth. And God wanted to open their eyes to see, look, I'm going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. The Jewish people rejected it. I'm going to bring it to the Gentiles. And I thank God he brought the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'm thankful today we get to have the gospel because he sent it through the Apostle Paul and others to those who told it to us. We ought to be thankful that God's word still works and that Jesus still wants to save souls. And he wants to be glorified in this community. And let's not be united over division, but instead... Let's be united over the truth of the word of God. And if anybody wants to win souls to Jesus Christ, if anybody wants to be diligent, if anybody's going to seek to be faithful, let's just say, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. People are imperfect. People fail. We all fail. But Lord, help us to not be like those Jewish people. Man, they, they were so confident that they were guiding people. But the truth of the matter is they were misleading them. And may God help us to recognize, you know what? There's some things that I need to change. And the biggest thing I need to change is say, Lord, I want to get my directions from you. And I want to trust that you'll put people in my life, my children, my parents, um, my family, uh, my friends, Christian leaders, whatever it is. God will put people in our life. He'll give us a good Christian book to guide us, to direct us. Lord, you're going to put that in place. Help me to not be so confident that I'm always critiquing the information I get. And I'm wiser than all the others. Uh, let's not spend another moment uh, debating or arguing about how we think the decisions ought to be made. But instead, let's follow Christ. If you don't remember this church family, just four years ago, the church was falling apart financially, spiritually, and emotionally. And God sent you a pastor. And uh, there's very few men who are willing to stay in New York. There's very few men who are willing to stay in New England. And a lot of them are honestly afraid of, of the the stories they've heard of New England. And let's pray that God will help us to stay here and work together and win souls together and not just be so confident that our way is always the best. His way is the best. I'm going to tell you this in closing. God knows everything. 
This week on Tuesday, I got a wonderful text message. Many of you know Brandon Kelly. He lost their baby. His wife was pregnant about, I think, 20 weeks along. She lost her baby just a few weeks ago. And they're grieving and dealing with all that pain. And out of the blue, I got a text from Brandon Kelly on Tuesday night. And God knows, Brandon didn't have a clue what was going on. But God knew what was going on. Brandon texted me and he said, how are you doing? He said, brother, thank you for praying. I am not doing well. I'm extremely discouraged. I'm extremely frustrated. Thank you. I said, I should be encouraging you right now. And you cared enough to text me and ask me how I was doing. You cared. You're going through tremendous pain. Thank you. And for me, it made me break down and weep for about 15 minutes. God had to convict me of the way I had allowed some bitterness. About the things people said. The Lord said, forgive them, Dan. I said, Lord, you don't know how they're stopping your work. He said, forgive them. I sat there and wept. I thought of Moses. And I'm in no way like Moses. But Moses had to put up with millions of people murmuring and complaining because he sent 12 spies in. And 10 of them turned on him. And Moses dealt with so much greater things than any of us will deal with. And God brought me to tears and helped me to get healing through a dear missionary who's going through suffering who didn't have a clue. God was the only person who knew about that. You know, my friends, God wants to have his work go forward. Let's not be like those Jewish people. We were so confident that we're doing it right. And we're so blind to what's really going on. May God help us to say, you know what? There are souls that need Jesus. Our loved ones and family members that Jesus has been sending in recently. There's families. There's new people. God wants us to minister, to encourage, to help them. And let's love one another as Christ has loved us. Don't be so confident that we miss the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. The gospel is offense enough. We don't need to offend people with anything else. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you today that you see our hearts. We thank you today that you, Lord, love us in spite of our weaknesses and our failures. And Lord, you've been so patient with us. And Lord, it's hard to be patient. It's hard to endure. But you said if we're patient, you would give us a crown of life. You said, Lord, if we suffer when we didn't do anything wrong, that you would give us grace. And Lord, we are trusting and believing you to do that. I pray for many in the room who are deeply hurt. Lord, somebody's hurt them. Somebody's offended them. Somebody, Lord, maybe some pastor said something that offended them 20 years ago. Whatever it is, Lord, help them to find healing. Help them to know that there are people here that love them, that care about them. And that want to see their loved ones, their family get saved. And there are people here who, who God, is going to, God is going to work. And we've got to trust God. Help them to trust. Help them to believe. Lord, many of us have seen great failures in the lives of others. Help us, Lord Jesus, to recognize that 
You alone are perfect. And Lord, may we have a heart that just says, I surrender all to Jesus. I want to follow his plan. I want the church to be built upon the word of God. And I want to take out any distractions. And I want Christ alone to be exalted in this community. May God help us with that today. Let's stand together for prayer. And we'll close out the live stream at this time. Thank you each. By way of live stream, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for helping the ministry go forward. God bless each of you. And we'll close out the live stream now. And for the rest of us in the room, maybe you just say, you know what? Dear Lord Jesus, I love you and I want to serve you. And Lord, I just want to, with pastors, say, you know what? I recognize pastor doesn't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Jesus has it all together. And I'm just going to trust that God's going to lead us and God's going to guide us. And I'm just going to be willing to trust and to not be so confident. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. And I'm going to have some faith to believe God wants to do great things. I'm going to believe. And my faith is going to move me to action. If you would like to take that kind of commitment, say, I'm just going to believe. And I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. And I'm going to trust. I'm not going to live like those Jewish people. So self-confident. In all their traditions. And all their things they had done. But they missed it. And I want God's help to believe and trust. And maybe that's you here today. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. You might just say, you know what? Pastor, pray for me. I just want to believe and trust God. that He's got a big plan. I don't see it. But I, I just want to trust. I pray that I'll have faith. Maybe that's your prayer. Pray that I'll have faith to believe that God can lead, that God can give wisdom, that God can guide. Maybe you've been hurt deeply. All of us have. Maybe you just pray. You say, God, would you help me with that? If that's you this morning and you just like to say, Pastor, remember me in prayer, would you just slip your hand right up and right back down? God, help me. Maybe right here at the front, we take a moment to just come forward and pray. And you maybe, maybe your heart is perfectly clean before God, but maybe you would come up here and you just say, you know what? I'm going to pray that God will encourage my preacher and help him to stay here. I'm going to pray that God will help us to continue to win this community for Christ. And Pastor, I want to join with you in prayer like that. Maybe you want to come down and pray like that. Whatever God puts on your heart, would you just pray and take a moment with God? Piano's going to play. Take a moment to meet with God.